You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas sermon podcast. For almost 130 years, FBCMF has served the Marble Falls and the Greater Highland Lakes area faithfully through children's programs, youth activities, and adult discipleship. We invite you to join us each and every Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. for deep fellowship, rich worship, and a spirit-filled message. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. For more information about our church or to watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org. Well, welcome to Mission Sunday number three. For those of you who don't know, November is a month of missions where we talk about and we rehearse and we pray about the future of what God is calling us to both be in our community and do in our community and around the whole world. And and one of the things that that we have done in the past and that we are continuing to do, but some of you may not know a whole lot about it, is we are involved in planting new churches. A long time ago, I, I introduced to you a church planting friend of mine named Matt Jeffries, and he preached for us, and he planted a church in... Um, San Antonio, northern San Antonio, and we helped him. Um, he spoke to us. We, we contributed financially. And we tried to support them. And, and y'all, their church, um, Rock Point Church in San Antonio, went from, from having nobody and not being in existence at all to having over 300 people come to it in three different um, worship services. It's really exciting what God is doing there. Um, and we're continuing that. We're, we're not... Um, a part of helping them continue because we have moved our focus and we are helping some other churches from around our nation. And, and this last summer, our church went to help be a part of, of several different church plants and, and our youth group were a huge part of that. And, and so this morning, um, as we interview a couple of people, I've asked some of our very special youth to come this morning and to be a part of this interview and to talk to us about what it was like to be a part of the church plant. And so we all please help welcome to the stage Cade Walker and Mackenzie Massick. Come on out, y'all. Very good. We're so proud of y'all, and this is exciting for us. Um, and uh, the first worship service loved what y'all had to say. After the worship was over, um, several of them came, and they said, Ross, we love it, and we love what the Lord is doing in our youth ministry. For those of you who don't know, God really has his hand in our youth ministry. Um, they average about 150 kids every Uh, every Wednesday night, but it's not just about numbers. The Lord really is doing a work in their heart and in their mind and transforming their lives. And here on the stage, Mackenzie and Cade are are really some of the wonderful leaders in our youth program. And I'm thankful for y'all and I'm very proud of you. And um, it's all right, Cade, you can relax, buddy. It's (laughs) it's okay. Um, Mackenzie, tell us about what church planting was like for you um, what you did, and, uh, and, and just what it meant, and oh. where you were. So we, so we were in Washington, D.C. this summer for a week, and we were blessed enough to work with Waterfront D.C., which is a church plant um, in D.C., obviously. And it was super cool to be involved in this ministry that is reaching a community that truly needs it more than I had realized before visiting D.C., because it's our nation's capital, so you would think, like, Everything yeah. is, you know, in control, but you get there, and 
um, on one street you have like giant government buildings and then on the You learn things street. are not in control in Washington, D.C., is that <laughs> what you're saying? Yeah. I did learn that. All right. There's like poverty and brokenness on the next street. Yeah. And um, it was really cool to be able to work at the VBS at the church plant and um, just minister to kids from all different home mm -hmm. situations and just see their um, curiosity and their desire to know more about Jesus. And um, it was a blessing to be able to um, teach them a little bit of God's word and just yeah. spend that time with them. Oh, and, and you enjoyed it a whole lot, huh? It was probably one of, it was the best experience of my life, and I can't wait to go on more mission trips. Wow, <laughs> very good, Mackenzie. Okay, share as well, um, what were some of the things that you did when you were on mission trip? Where, where were you? And, and just tell us the impact that it had on you as well, would you? So I went to Broomfield, Colorado. Um, it's a small town near Denver, and we were at a church plant called uh, the Livingstone Church. And so Sunday morning we came to them and we set up for their church because they don't have a, um, their own building. They are in a high school, and so they set up every Sunday morning. Mm. After we set up for them, we would, um, the teenagers, we would go and teach a Sunday school class for children. Yeah. And then um, we would break down for them. And then we would also go canvassing around different parts of the town and handing out coffee to people and showing them a um, Easter egg hunt event that the church would be hosting at the time. Um, while we were teaching kids, I learned that um, it's the most amazing thing I've ever done, and I love it every yeah. time I do it. Um, yeah. Man, Cade, um, I'm so thankful for, for what God is doing in y'all's lives through this, but also that, that you're helping these church plants. Um, after the summer, Cade shared with me and has shared with some of you that, that through the mission work and through youth camp, uh, he came home and he said, you know, I believe that God is calling me into ministry. And, uh, and so, Cade, we're very proud of you for that. And uh, Mackenzie, we, we, we love you guys and we're very thankful for you. The churches that we're working with um, and that First Baptist Marble Falls is investing in are all throughout our nation, but primarily Denver, Washington, D.C., and San Antonio. And, and here is a message from some of those pastors up on our screen, if I can direct your attention there. First Baptist Church, Marble Falls, is working with church plants all across the nation. One is in Washington, D.C. with Waterfront Church. Another is around Denver area with Livingstone Church. And one is really close to us in San Antonio, Mosaic Church. These churches are making a difference. Hey, First Baptist Marble Falls. My name is Keith Baldridge. I'm the lead pastor of the Livingstone Church in Denver, Colorado. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Zach Randles, and I'm the pastor of Waterfront Church in Washington, D.C. Hi, my name is Lucas Barrientes, and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Mosaic Church in San Antonio, Texas. We partner with church plants because church planting is hard, and we can come alongside them and help them with finances, but also help them with people and prayer support. We launched our church just a little over three years ago, but since our launch, we've seen over 170 people pray to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Much of that traction in our community or through our church has been due to churches like yours that have sent us mission teams in the past 
Uh, we can't thank you enough for that. We would, have, we would love to have more mission teams from First Baptist come work with us right here in Northwest Denver. I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for partnering with us and taking care of our ministry. Uh, and uh, you've sent mission teams, you've sent finances. Um, our church is in better shape because we know you guys. I want to thank you for your prayers and your support over this past year. It has been such an encouragement and such a help to us as we continue to reach people far from God and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus one step at a time. You can make a difference by praying. You can make a difference by going on one of our mission trips as we're going to these church planting opportunities this year. But you can also make a difference by giving and our mission offering this, this month. It's gonna make a difference in what we're doing and praying and seeing God move in each of their lives. Well, would all of you um, imagine something with me for a moment? Imagine that uh, you worked in a community other than where you lived. Now, for a lot of you, you don't have to imagine that. That's your reality. Uh, but, but would you just imagine this with me for a moment? You, you work in a community other than where you live, and, and you've worked there for a long time, and over that amount of time, you've got to know this other community very well. Um, you, you know the streets, you know the layout, many of the people in that community who work with you and are co-workers, you've developed good friendships with them. Occasionally you've stopped by some of the local stores on your way home and, and you see their newspapers, you see how their, uh, their football teams and basketball teams and everything are doing and over a period of time, you start to develop a heart for your work community. It's not that the Lord is calling you to leave your community and go to that one, nothing like that. You just love your work community. You start to know the culture and the people. One of the things that you begin to notice is that your work community is growing. There are new neighborhoods that are coming up all the time. The population and the traffic seems to be getting greater and greater, but one thing you notice is that you don't seem to see very many churches anywhere. You drive down various streets on your way home, maybe take a different route, and you notice, you know what, there, there really are not that many ch um, churches around. And you start to think, I wonder where are all of the Christians worship. And so casually, you just bring it up to your friends and, and coworkers, and you say to them, um, hey, the, uh, if I were gonna go to church here, where would I go? Do you happen to go to church anywhere? And that person tells you, well, we do, but we miss a whole lot because our church is a long way away and we drive a long way to get to it. And you talk to other people and they say that they have not found a church in your working community. And you talk to other coworkers and they say that they don't go to church anywhere. And on your way home, you're thinking, golly, the community is growing, I care about it, but people um, are, are, are driving a long way to go to church or they're not going at all. I wonder, at what point might church planting cross your mind? In this missions month, we need to talk about this idea and allow it to be on our hearts and minds. And I, I, I confess I have not preached on this. I haven't talked about it never once. Have I gotten any of you together to start praying about or researching what it even might look like if we all came together and we planted a church somewhere in the community or anywhere, we, we've never really talked a lot about that. But I know this, the early churches that we read about in scripture 
were a part of a church planting movement. They, they understood that they themselves were new churches and they invested in other churches as well. In, in 2 Corinthians 8, the church in Philippi um, recognized that they were a new church, but at the same time, they took up an offering to send to people in the church in Jerusalem. These churches cared about one another and they understood that they needed to invest in to help new churches and to help old ones as well. And, and as I read over and over this week, these passages where the word church stands out in the New Testament, and I started to pray about what that meant, I began to think that I don't know that a church can, can rightly call itself Christian unless it has some involvement in helping new churches be born or help churches who have already been born grow. Um, and so I wanted to talk about church planting. But I realized that before we could talk about church planting, there are some Christians who don't care about church in the first place. Why talk about planting churches when so many Christians are at, that are out there don't care about the churches that are already planted, whether they exist or not? And for instance, if there is anyone here, and while you're here this morning... Um, you, you might say, you know what, I've chosen to be here, but it really wouldn't matter if I chose not to be here. Either way, it doesn't make that big of a difference. The only thing God really cares about is my relationship with the Lord and if I act like Jesus. And so, if anybody, if any Christian has a very low, low view of the church in general, then planting churches to them is going to seem like a waste of time and a, a waste of resources. Why do I want to plant a church when, when I don't even know that they matter all that much? And so I realized that before we could even talk about what God might be leading us to do in the future, our first play is this, creating a high view of church and believing that it is the God-ordained way that followers of Jesus Christ need to live. That has to be established first. Many Christians need to develop a, a, a more um, passionate view of what is called ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. Everyone say ecclesiology. Ecclesia, church. Ology, study of the theology of studying about the church of Jesus Christ. We need, we need a more exciting ecclesiology. We need to think about that. We need a greater appreciation for, for how biblical and life-giving church can be and how valuable a, a, healthy, a healthy local church is to the surrounding community where God has placed them. And, and how much it means for people to actually be a part of it and to consider themselves an intimate part of that family. And so we look at scripture to help draw out our ecclesiology so that you and I hold church high. We have a high regard for it and not a low regard for it. The Great Commission is where we could begin. And in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to make disciples. But as he says that, Making disciples carries with it the idea that we make disciples out of individuals 
and we immediately um, get all of those individuals and we help them to form a community of faith, a family of faith into churches. The passage that Amy Stubblefield read just a moment ago in Acts 11 is the story about how the church in Antioch began. And when it began, um, uh, the men went up and they started sharing the gospel of Jesus and people started giving their life to the Lord. And just a few verses later, they were a church. It wasn't years later. There wasn't huge distance between the evangelism of the gospel and the forming of the church. No, 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 no. Church happened immediately, almost as if evangelism and leading people to Christ is automatic in that in that the innate movement of the church happens simultaneously with it. It it means that, that the individualized kind of Christianity is not what happened in Antioch, in Acts 11, and really it's not what happened in all of Scripture when we read it. A believer in our community, um, I was having coffee with him and he shared with me once that he said that since the Bible does not explicitly teach us to create churches, he said that he didn't believe it and that was his excuse for not being a part of one and thinking that churches were irrelevant. Well, first, he's, he's wrong. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and we follow the Lord in building whatever it is he builds. Jesus said he loves the church and calls it his bride, and so we're going to love whatever the Lord loves as well. Forming churches was automatic, automatic in the New Testament. Um, We think of even how the Bible was written, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, all churches. There is no New Testament without churches. Have you ever heard it said like that? That we wouldn't have the Bible without churches. Paul's letter to Timothy, both of them, and Paul's letter to Titus were meant to help these men who were pastoring these other churches be equipped for the work that that they were called to do. Um, Titus was pastoring on the island of Crete to all of the Cretans. It was a horrible place. All Cretans are liars. That that was the slogan, and and Titus understood that more than anybody else. So he writes a letter to Paul, and he says, why in the world are you leaving me with these people? Paul writes the letter back, and this is where we get the book of Titus, and he says, I am leaving you there so that you might complete this work, meaning, Yes, the Christians are horrible, but you can do something good there through the power of God. The churches began to to be formed everywhere. In the book of Revelation, it comes up over and over again. The whole book is actually written to, to a group of churches. Look at this. In the book of Revelation, over and over, church, church, church. Revelation 2.1, 2.8, 2.12, 2.18 to the angel of the church in Ephesus. The word, the word angel means the pastor. And so John is saying, take this, pastors, and give it to your churches. Let them know what this means for them. The angel of the church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna. It's written to the church in Pergamum. 
It's written to the church in Thyatira, the church in Sardis. It's written to the church in Philadelphia. And here, make sure that the people of Laodicea know it. If you've never read much about the church of Laodicea, that's a really nice letter that uh, uh, John writes to them. So all of these moments, the churches come out. And that was sarcastic, by the way. The uh, Laodicea is an awful, uh, they're in an awful situation. Um, we look at it in the book of Romans. Look at Romans 16. The word church continues to come out. I commend you to, our, to you, our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church of Centuria. Romans uh, 16, 3 and 4. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, and not only I, but, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. All of these churches, they're all beginning to be a part of this New Testament movement. And here's another one, Romans 16, 16. All the churches of Christ send their greetings. Not just a few. He's writing to the Romans. Everybody sends their greetings to you, he says. Are you getting the picture? Church is valuable. That there is no real New Testament story without it. It is essential to our faith. The New Testament tells the story of what God did in the lives of churches. Um, and even, even the real theology itself. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how we are formed together. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, this is how a church is supposed to act. This is the value of us. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. Individual Christians came together. They did not stay separated. They came together. In Hebrews 10.25, it says, whatever you do, do not neglect assembling and coming together, forming the church. Don't ever neglect it. In, in other words, as hard as it is and as bad as you may want to give up, it is always valuable to continue, no matter what, investing in one another as Christians, as the church. There's going to come a time when, when the church is frustrating to you, when people rub you the wrong way, when something in the church does not go the way that you want it to. But, but the writer of Hebrews says, no matter what, no matter what, don't ever forsake it. You know, guys, maybe it says that because when we don't forsake the church, we're a little bit more like Jesus. Who no matter how unfaithful we are as a community of faith, God continues to be faithful to us. And so we don't forsake it. And we battle through pain and we continue to play a role. And, and not only do the churches in Paul's writings, Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, and all these that I've mentioned, not only are those churches um, integral in the way the New Testament is formed, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John also are formed out of the churches. It wasn't just one person writing this book and then handing it down to us and it being preserved exactly. And here is, here is an example. In the book of John, um, there is a passage of scripture that is not a little, there is a little part of John in John 8 that is not a part 
of the oldest, most reliable manuscripts that we have of the book of John. Well, here's what happened. The, the church that John preached to, that, that people call, scholars call it the Johannine community. Johannine meaning John, and community meaning his church. John would preach to his church, and there is a story that he often preached to them about how Jesus, this is chapter John 8, saved this woman who was caught in adultery, and they were all going to stone her, and Jesus comes and he says, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then they all can't do it, and they all walk away, and Jesus says, who is it that accuses you? And she says, no one, sir. And, and Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. John preached that message to his church, the Johannine community, but John did not write that story in his original writing of the Gospel of John. So what happened was later on, God inspired the Johannine community, the leaders of his church, and God led them to add this piece in. The whole Bible is God's inspiration to us. But the church was involved in a lot of this. There was one of the followers of John, a man named Polycarp, who was a part of the Johannine community, and in the late first century, he was burned at the stake, and right before he died, they said to him, will you denounce Jesus Christ? And he said, why should I denounce Jesus Christ? He has never done anything wrong to me and has only been there for me all my life. You see, it's people like Polycarp in the church that played a role and they contributed and they, they, they helped edit and they helped add. And even though John wrote the basis of all of it, his church, the community of faith played a role. It would be like if I wrote my um, memoirs right before I passed um, late in my life and all of you, my church said, you know what? We love what Ross wrote, but he left this out and he always talked to us about this. We're going to put this in ourselves and God had his hand on that process. Well, well, why is that important? The Holy Spirit led and helped churches. It's important today to demonstrate how our New Testament itself was inspired by God and produced by the churches and for, and for the churches and worship and what we're doing right now. And so when any believer who claims to know Jesus Christ, when they say very mistakenly that it is all about themselves, and they produce some kind of very individualized version of the faith, we know that that, that, that individualized version is not true gospel. It's not what we see. If somebody today claimed to be a Christian and they said that they don't believe in organized religion and that they don't care to be connected to a family of faith, any early Christian would respond back in that dialogue, and they would say, well, if you say that it's all about individuals, frankly, we do not know how to make disciples and lead people to Christ and just let them be all on their own and walk away from them. The only way to be a true disciple of Jesus is when you're connected to a family of faith in other Christians. And since the New Testament, since that moment, churches have mattered. God has seen to it with all of our corruption and all of our messed up ways, churches still make a difference. The local churches 
in their towns and cities. They seek the welfare of their community around them. We try to make a difference. In fact, we have this belief that simply because we exist, our community of Marble Falls and the Highland Lakes area should be made better. Simply because we exist, our community should be made better. Do y'all, y'all believe that? Local churches make a difference all over our world. And so without a church, Christians are left as individuals in loneliness and isolation, and that's wrong. And so after we have created the value of the ecclesia of God, and this is the way that God wanted it, now, based on that, we can say, okay, well, where does a new church need to be planted? And then we can move into that conversation. And new church plants... Oh my goodness, they're unique in a lot of different ways. Um, I love our church plants here in Marble Falls. And, and whenever somebody comes in, if they're gonna be biblical and they're godly, and they're gonna try and do their very best to love the community and, and preach the gospel, y'all, we're going to care for them and, and support them. Um, I'm very happy about Elevate and their pastor named Shane. I think he's great. Uh, I love Rockpile. I think Matt Netzer is an amazing guy, and I'm so proud of what they're doing at their church. In fact, I called Matt, and I was talking to him this past week, and I said, uh, I'm, I, I want to preach on um, church plants. Would you send me a little clip of you preaching the gospel? And he said, I can't believe you're doing that. And I said, I am. We love you, and we care for you. And so I want to show you this. Here is a clip of Matt Netzer preaching the gospel we should be diving deeper. We have these tools, these resources. We have Bibles. We need to be diving deeper. Knowledge and discernment, recognition and understanding, Jesus and his word. Make these things a priority and start chasing the excellent life. Now, don't get me wrong. The excellent life isn't perfect life. We always talk about, you know, oh, just living my best life. And if I say the excellent life, I don't want you to misconstrue. It's, it's, it's vacations and fun. There is positive. I love the fact that that Philippians is a positive letter. But as we're going to get into even further in Philippians, he's going to talk about how much even this helps sustain us when things aren't good, when things are hard, because we know that life is messy and life can get hard. So the excellent life isn't just hashtag living my best life. It's living life with God. It's in his presence. It's knowing him more. It's understanding him better. That is what is excellent. That's Paul's prayer for this church. I know it's my prayer for Rockpile. And I also think it's God's prayer and desire for us. This is what God desires of us. This morning, when we baptize those that are getting baptized here, I pray that that you will develop more and more of a, of a recognition of who God is in your life. Right? Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Plan to live for him all the days of your life. Okay. Upon that profession of faith, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't it exciting to see God moving all over our community? Through all of these churches, we, we were connected and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, y'all, not 
Not all church plants make it, the vast majority of them fail. But the ones that do make it, often they have a, a unique kind of criteria, characteristics about them. And, and here are a couple of those characteristics, and they're so important for us to get. The first is this, church plants are very comfortable with risk, whereas established churches are less comfortable with risk. We shouldn't be, but we become that way. Church plants feel like they can do anything and everything for the Lord, and it doesn't matter. They are going crazy moving forward. Do y'all know why they can take such risks? They have nothing, nothing to lose. And, and when I say they have nothing to lose, that's not a cliche. I mean, they don't have church vans. They hardly, many of them don't have their own seats. They meet in, in schools that have the seats for them. They don't have what we have. They don't have people. They don't have money. They don't have anything. Now, get this. When you don't have anything, then you can go as hard as you want to. This is a unique thing about new churches. Something happens, though, to them. Over time and over the years, that new church becomes an established church and after a church begins to gain a whole lot of people and a lot of resources, something tragic happens inside of them. Their focus moves from, from to, to just protecting what they have and what they have gotten. They trade a passion for, for the gospel and for being a light for a passion to just hold on to what they have. Rather than trying to win they now just don't want to lose. Have y'all ever seen a football team get way up in the first half? Here we go. <laughs> and they're doing great. And man, they're doing well. Something happens, though. They come out in the second half and then Rather than playing to win, they just play not to lose and just trying to hold on to what they had in the first half. And do y'all know what happens to them? Oklahoma comes back and beats them by three points <laughs> with a minute and a half to go. Ugh. Churches can be that way, can't they? They started out as a church plant, man. Nothing to lose, doing great, anything to win. But then they become established. And then they start dancing around the ring, trying not to get hit. Y'all know something? You cannot take a swing at the enemy if all you want to do is play it safe. Very often, old established churches lose their pioneer and their fighting spirit. And they concentrate on just maintaining what they currently have. It's called maintenance mode. Maintenance mode. And they forget, they forget where they came from. That a long time ago, they were better than just maintenance mode. Better. Church plants take risks. Church plants embrace everybody who comes through the door. You walk through the door of a new church plant, they haven't developed any clicks yet, and you might be their best friend, so... Love him, go. 
They love you. They care for people with a kind of attack mode. They love you. Last, in, in new church plants, all the members engage wholeheartedly in the mission because there are no staff people to depend on. If they believe that teaching the word of God to their children and to their youth are right, and they don't have a youth minister or children's minister to do it, then, then you know what? They say, we have to do it. If they want chairs set up for their meetings, the members have to do it. And it means that they, they don't come just to be fed, fed, and it's about them all the time. No, they, they think if the church is going to survive, then I have to have a different mentality. And because of all of these things, new church plants often are very zealous and, and a, they make a big difference in the kingdom of God. Y'all, that's why we're involved in the church in Washington, D.C. and the one in Denver, too. And that's why... I think that we do need to talk about and pray about planting a church. I don't know when, and I don't know how, but I might, you know, what if we planted one in Spicewood together? What if we created a satellite campus, a satellite campus somewhere, and, and, and we put a, a, a pastor there, and they had a satellite link up to our great music that we have? I don't know where or how, but y'all, wouldn't it be fun to do it? We are building toward church planting in some way, but I'll finish with this, and this is last. The main, the main church that we are planting is First Baptist Marble Falls. We are planting ourselves, and granted, we're a very old church plant. We've been here for 130 years, but a long, long time ago, there were a group of people who came out and they met out at Johnson Park. They didn't have any seats either. They didn't have a preacher, no youth minister, and just a group of people. And they came out and they said, we, we want to plant a church. We want to be a part of it. And they planted us. We are a church plant. And it worked out pretty well for us, what God did with us. And for 130 years, this community has been impacted by our church plant and right now we have to carry on this you and I are planting tomorrow's church here and there are a lot of churches that don't act this way and because of that they might die tomorrow all over the world churches are shutting their doors and y'all there is no guarantee God has not said oh first Baptist Marble Falls it doesn't matter what you do I'm going to just keep your doors open forever no 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 if we are unfaithful God will shut our doors Amen. write Ichabod on the frame of the door and he'll plant another church somewhere we have to decide we're going to be faithful and do well we'll plant for you Lord we'll do well right now and God will help us grow too Here's what we need. We need to be an established church with a church-planting heart. In fact, I think that's a pretty good theme. First Baptist Marble Falls, an established church with the heart of a church plant. Amen. What difference would it make in your own life if you said, I am a part of planting our church for tomorrow? What difference would it make in your own life and how you lived? to say, you are church planters. Would you pretend that you are? That for the very first time we've all come into this room, 
and we're praying, God, do something great through us tomorrow? Would you pretend to see that if we plant well and we plant in the gospel and we plant in prayer, that the power of God just might transform people's lives tomorrow the same way that it has in the past? Okay, church planners. Will you bow your heads? This morning, if you have never thought about your place in the community of faith, and God is saying, I, you feel it right now, y'all. You feel in your heart that these people are good, that you're sitting around, and they care. And God is saying, I want you to draw near to them and to care and to be a part of their lives, be on mission with them. If God is calling you to do that, would you come this morning at some point during the invitation and say, Ross, I want to be a part of the church. How do I do it? And I'll give you the path. Maybe you're, you've been a member here a long time, but there's something in your heart where you started to feel like, like this community did not really matter all that much or your Sunday school class did not matter all that much. Today, would you, would you renew yourself to all of this? You've been listening to the First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas sermon podcast. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. For more information about our church or to watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org.